So this morning we uh, gave you a poll and we asked you to fill out that poll and I will ask you one more time, do this poll. And let's see if any hearts and minds have changed after our discussions today. I'm, we, we gave you an idea in, in, your, uh, in the survey you have on your tables there, giving an idea of where the US, Australia and Japanese public stand on strategic competition, where they see it going, what they think of how they think their governments have done. Um, but we just want to do this last polling so um, we can compare not only where we were this morning in the room, but also uh, where this room compares to the public. Um, especially after having heard from so many fantastic experts about the ambitions, challenges, and opportunities for so many different types of alliances and partnerships. Um, but moving forward for this last section, we didn't want to uh, only talk about what folks think of, of uh, strategic competition, but also we want to think, we want to show what they want to do about it. Um, so on the whole, I'll move on if everyone has gotten their uh, QR code done. On the whole, we find that the publics really want diplomatic and economic responses to a Chinese invasion of Taiwan. So on this slide, you'll see, um, compared to last year, where Australian, Japanese, and American public stand on sending troops uh, in response to an invasion of Taiwan by China. You can see they largely have stayed the same, except for notably Japan has uh, changed since last year. Now. Just keep this in your in your mind, and I particularly look at the uh, ones on the left in terms of agree. Now, this is for sending troops. Now, look at the difference when we say, what about economically isolating China? Now, we have mentioned this a few times today. Um, I think the exercises uh, the Studies, Studies Center has done um, this past week, but also many others have done, have really shown that, okay, there's a lot of ambition for this, but what does that look like? Um, John McCain famously said that um, Russia is a gas station with nukes. That's not too hard to economically isolate a gas station with nukes. It's a lot harder to isolate uh, the number one trading car a partner for some 100 countries in the world and most of the Indo-Pacific. Um, so the value, again, just going back so you can see the difference between uh, sending troops and economically isolating and just seeing just how much more support there is for that. But the, again, we don't have the roadmap for that. We need to really start thinking long and hard about what that actually looks like to economically isolate. Now, one more thing. Um, one thing that we've done at the Study Center for a few years is ask about strategic competition and putting some skin in the game. So for a couple of years now, I've asked, we've asked, uh, if you have a phone that's made in China and a phone not made in China, which one do you prefer? And we've asked American, Australian, and Japanese response about this. 90% across the three countries want a phone not made in China, assuming they're the same price. Then we said, what about if the phone not made in China is $500 more expensive? And we found that about two-thirds, three-quarters of American, Australian, Japanese respondents are willing to pay $500 more for a phone not made in China. Now, then we asked this year for the first time, what about taxes? You don't have a choice. You're not in the store. And you can see here, just over a third of Australians and a little over a third of Americans, but less than a third of Japanese respondents are willing, agree with paying a tax to be more militarily competitive with China. To me, that tells me that people want a choice. People don't want to be forced to pay taxes, but they 
are willing, a majority of them are willing to pay a premium if given the choice. But um, we've also seen that Alliance Corporation doesn't just have military applications. We also saw uh, a great appetite for um, the promotion of democratic norms and enhancing prosperity in the region. So we saw 60% uh, across all three countries want to collaborate on non-traditional security issues. And in figure 17 in our report, you can see uh, how the three countries respond to stimulants like uh, supporting developing democracies in Asia to host democratic elections and the kind of appetite for restricting China's access to technology. Um, and in terms of providing some uh, insights that you might not uh have heard today or read in our report more broadly, um, one of the things that I think is worth pointing out is that uh, we see both Australia and Japan have a high appetite for working together and working with the United States on these things, both military and in other applications, but Japan and Australia are different. Um, Australians are twice as likely as Japanese respondents to support basing US Marines in their own state, uh, but they're also far more willing than Japanese respondents to want a foreign policy independent of foreign powers. So 46% of Australians and 18% of Japanese want, uh, agree or strongly disagree with permanently basing US Marines in their state. Um, yet this doesn't necessarily correlate with a negative Japanese view of the United States. And one of the few findings from this report, that re uh, there's a couple of findings in this report where Japan really stands out. And for one thing, Japan far and away has the rosiest view of the United States. 55% um, say that the United States is mostly helpful in Asia. Japan is also the most optimistic of the three countries about the US ability to be the most militarily and economically powerful country in Asia in 25 years. Um, and it, it's the most, uh, it's the, the country where the most number of respondents will say that it is likely, more likely than unlikely that the United States will be uh, maintain dominance in Asia in 25 years. Um, one of the most striking findings in the report was that 40% of respondents in Japan compared to 32% in Australia and 19% in the United States uh, say uh, war with China in the next 10 years is very unlikely, which is all the more spectacular considering that Japan is the most resounding of the three countries in its negative view of China, saying that China is mostly harmful in Asia and that Chinese military and economic dominance would be a bad thing in its country. And when it comes to working uh, within the region, Australia compared to Japan is more enthusiastic about some activities. Australians are much more gung-ho about holding China to account on human rights. So 84% of Australians say that they agree with holding China to account on human rights, whereas only 63% of Japanese would say the same. And of that 84% of Australians, 43% of Australians strongly agree with holding China to account on human rights. And they're also more enthusiastic than Japanese respondents about supporting de developing democracies in Asia to hold democratic elections. So 77% of Australians say uh, they would that Australia should support de developing democracies in Asia host their elections, whereas only 64% of Japanese say the same. Now, this is the spicy question, as, as Mike mentioned earlier, and we saved best for last. Um, this is a really big source of anxiety, as, uh, as Zach accurately said. It's, um, it's um, important to know when the U.S. Studies Center was founded. The, the U.S. Studies Center was founded not long after the largest protest in Australian history. And it was against Australia's involvement joining the U.S. in the Iraq War. 
And now we're looking at a poll here saying um, a significant number of Australians would want to withdraw from the alliance if Donald Trump is elected. Now, we didn't ask this in 2016. Um, I have a feeling that it would be even higher back then than it is now. Because one thing to note if you actually read um, the report and see the other polling on this is that Australians actually have a, a less negative view of Trump than they did last year. 5% less of Australians think that Trump would be bad for Australia. Um, so we're seeing 37% here, but again, a few caveats that what does that actually look like? Um, one thing that, I, that my colleagues know here is the way that you write a poll is you basically try to write it so that a uh, fifth grader, a 10-year-old can understand it, so that everyone can understand what you're talking about. Um, we don't define what that looks like. We don't define what leaving the alliance looks like. We don't define, um, make them think, do some thought experiments about, for example, what would China's economic co uh, coercion of Australia look like if uh, the alliance did not exist. But nonetheless, it's um, something that you know Americans and Australians need to be conscious of. Now, I'm going to ask uh, my friends uh, in the AV team in the corner to show the slide of results. Now, this is the results from just now, and I will tell you how they compare to this morning. So, our first question, how likely is it that the Chinese Communist Party collapses 25 years from now? We have 56% of uh, those in the room saying very unlikely, but 36 saying somewhat likely. Now, this morning, the audience, 65% said it's unlikely, so that's gone down uh, a bit. But the public is 48%. So this room is uh, more optimistic about the survival of the Communist Party than the Australian public. Uh, so then maybe we can go to the next one. Then we have, how likely is it become, that Australia is the most influential country in Asia from both economically and militarily? So we have 48% saying somewhat likely and 24% saying very unlikely. Um, this morning, we, we found that 85% uh, of the audience said it was likely, and six, but that compares to 63% of the Australian public. So, Again, the Australian public is a bit more optimistic than this room. And if we can go to the next one. Now, this is the US accommodating China's military dominance of Asia 25 years from now. 64% of those in the room said very unlikely. 30% said somewhat likely. The audience was more confident that the US will accommodate China's military uh, dominance in Asia. Uh, a majority of the audience, in 53% said they would accommodate, and it's 30% in the Australian public. So, yeah, some some interesting differences between this room and uh, and the public at large. Now, the last last question. This is the United States becoming the most economically and militarily influential country in Asia 25 years from now. So, somewhat to very likely combined, that's more than half. The audience today is, is pretty split. It's actually just about the same. It was 50%. So it really hasn't changed that much. 
Our polling report was uh, that those in the in the public was less optimistic. Um, a plurality of Australians thought that it was unlikely that the U.S. would be the most economically and military, militarily influential country in Asia 25 years from now. So actually, it's about this similar to uh, the public. Now, I think we're done with that. And um, with that, I want to thank everyone for coming out tonight, or today. <laughs> Feels like tonight already, but <laughs> it really has been a pleasure. This has been... Um, basically a year in the making, the polling report, the conference, the speakers, and um, it's been an honor to have such a distinguished audience with us today. And we have learned a lot, I've learned a lot, even putting this together and hearing the folks on stage, and it's been an absolute pleasure. And with that, I'll turn to our chairman.